Good morning, Connect family. How we doing? Everybody good? All the early morning people? Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> Highly caffeinated, apparently. Uh, if you're new to Connect, my name is Pastor Derek. I want to welcome you, and I also want to welcome all our online and cable viewers. Can you guys help me give them a big welcome as well? Glad you guys are with us. Praise God. Um, before I get into uh, the continuation of our series, God Man, which uh, we kicked off last week, um, you received in your worship guide uh, an invitation card. That is not an invitation for you. That's a tool for you to invite people to Easter next week. This is a big week. Uh, just yesterday when I was at the gym, I invited three people to church, and they all said yes, all of them, three for three, three for three. So I just want to, you know, I, I realize that if there's a certain culture you want in your environment, you have to be that culture. So I realize I just, want, I'm, I just want to talk about sometimes the fact that I don't ask you to do something that I don't do myself. So it's really important that, that uh, we live from the top down in these things. But I hope that you'll see this is your best chance to get, to get uh, people to come to the church that you say you love. And, I, and I'm so convinced. This is, how, this is how much I love our church. And it's not just because I'm the pastor because, and this isn't because I work here. I, I would come here if I wasn't the pastor here. I'm going to come back here on the weekends from heaven, okay? So that, that's how convinced I am this is a great church. But if we'll get them in the front doors, all you got to do is just get them in the front doors. They'll like it. Amen. They'll like it. They might love it. It might, it might change their life, okay? Because we're looking at about 300 people so far this year whose lives have been changed eternally because they came to connect already. So I just want you to think about that. This is an important week. Who are you going to invite? Who is somebody that you've been praying for that's far from God or disconnected from God? This is a great, great opportunity. for. So use that invite card. Also, uh, this, is, this is what we need you to do if you're a frequent flyer or a family member. You promised me you would get your tickets. And, and as my wife would say, some of y'all haven't done that yet. And so I'm just going to be a pastor and say, for the love of Moses, Mary and Joseph... Get your tickets. Can you guys handle that, everybody? Get your stinking tickets today. Everybody say today. today. So have the, I know why you're not doing it, because you haven't had a conversation and planned what service are we going to. Have a conversation. Okay? We're trying to prepare. We're all behind the scenes going crazy. Are we going to have 2,000 people show up? We don't know, because we need your help. So help us, help everybody else. Can you all handle that this morning? Okay? So today's the day. Today's the day. Get your tickets, and uh, we'll keep reminding you. But all I can say is you promised. I asked you, you promised, and uh, keep your promises. Praise the Lord. All right. How's that for an opener? <laughs> Praise God. So we're in a series. We're in a series entitled God Man. Are you ready? Get your worship guides out. And uh, th this is a note-taking uh, message. You're going to help you a lot. We're going to have communion at the end of the service today. This whole message really is about communion. And so uh, it's going to make sense, things that you didn't know, things you didn't understand, hopefully, maybe a little different um, approach to it, perhaps. But week one, we talked about, and God, I mean, we're talking about basically just different significant characteristics of Jesus. Last week, we talked about Jesus the human. How many are here last week for that? Okay, if you weren't, it's a unique message. I've never done it before, but basically the message is Jesus understands everything you're going through. That's the message. And if you don't think you understand, I promise you, after you listen to that message, you're going to realize Jesus understands everything you're going to. Turn to your neighbor and say, he understands everything. Jesus does. Come on. So today, today, what we normally do at Connect is, even though it's Palm Sunday, um, instead of like giving you palms at the door, 
and having a donkey come down the aisle. Uh, we, we emphasize more um, because we have such a huge weekend next weekend. We don't have a good Friday service. So we have services on Saturday and Sunday for Easter, and there's just so much to get ready for. But today we kind of more emphasize Good Friday, which is good for us. How many know it was good for us? Because Jesus died for our sins. But it was a tough day for Jesus. And so we kind of emphasize the sacrifice that Jesus made and try to understand that so that as we go into Holy Week, we have a better grasp of what Jesus, his mission and assignment was on the earth through his life, what he did through his death. And then when we come to Resurrection Sunday, we have a fuller appreciation for how uh, he overcame in this life so we could overcome in this life as well. Is everybody getting that? So each week, uh, noontime this week, Monday through Friday, you can go to Connect Community Church Facebook live. We'll have a devotional live every single uh, day this week, Holy Week, live on Connect Community Church Facebook. Everybody tracking with me? So I have about a 15-minute devotional, and it will be dedicated towards this Passion Week in preparation for what's coming up on Sunday. How many would like to go and have some devos together on, online? Wouldn't that be fun? Okay. So we'll have some devotions and some prayer time, and uh, that'll be something we can all do together noontime. So you might want to mark, mark your phones, your whatever you do for that. Write it on your forehead. Write it on your neighbor's forehead. That That's going to be happening uh, every day this week, Monday through Friday, okay? But today we're going to talk about Jesus the Lamb. Everybody say, Jesus the Lamb. So the word lamb actually appears 104 times in the Bible, amazingly enough. And uh, even in the first five books of the Bible, it appears 54 times in what's called the Pentateuch, the, the books of the law, 54 times. And then on the other end, the book end of the Bible, Revelation, it appears 27 times. So out of the 104, 75% of those appearances are in the beginning and the end of the Bible. How many know that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega? He's the beginning and the end. So in the beginning of the Bible, there's the Lamb. At the end of it all, there will be the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? And so you can see that the Lamb is an important subject in the Bible. So we're going to talk about kind of the, the background and the significance of the Lamb. And if you can have an appreciation for that, an understanding of that, I think it literally can change your relationship with God. And I don't know about you, but for, for hundreds, even really thousands of years, people practiced something that sometimes goes over our head. Sometimes I don't think we get it. And I think because we don't get it, it influences our relationship with God, our approach to God, our behavior with God and with others. But in the Old Testament, and for hundreds of years, basically, people would have to bring sacrifices for their sins. You'd have, there would be a payment for the penalty of sin, the mistakes, the consequences of sin had a penalty to that. And so people would have these, these sacrifices because of sins they committed. And imagine this, that actually two times a day you had to offer a lamb, a sacrificial lamb for your sins. You would, do it, you would do it first thing in the morning, and you would do it also at night. In fact, look at this scripture in Exodus chapter 29. How do you guys like my new TV here? Isn't this pretty cool? This is how we're going to broadcast things when we go to a multi-site location, so we're getting ready for that. Exodus 29, 38 and following, it says, Now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs of the first year. Look at this, what it says. You might want to circle, underline these three words. Day by day, continually. So they had to actually offer sacrifices every day, continually. And continue reading there. And it goes on to say this in verse 39. It says, one lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight, or you could say at night. So again, hundreds, even thousands of years, this was the practice for sin. This is what you had to do when you, when you made a mistake. Now, I, I don't know about it, but how many of you 
are out there today that have uh, committed some sins during the day. All right, so, in, so basically what would happen is uh, it, it, at twilight, you would have to offer sacrifices for your sins that you committed all day long. And then the next morning when you woke up, you would offer sacrifices for all the sins that you committed after twilight. How many know some of us have committed a lot of sins after twilight? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like it seems like a lot of, I think more sins, uh, we'll get to heaven, we'll find out. But I think more sins happened at night, right? It's like it's dark out, the sin is going down, right? <laughs> Somebody like, no, no. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. The Bible says sin has pleasure, right? Sin has pleasure. Well, I don't know about that. Well, then you were doing it wrong. The Bible says sin has pleasure in it, okay? Sin has pleasure. But then it says for a season, for a season. So that's, that's the catch. That's the hook. So sin, I always taught that sin bites like a snake. You play with it long enough, it's going to bite you. Sin trips you up. You, you keep going, getting outside the boundaries of God, the con, there'll be consequences. Eventually, it's going to trip you up. Some sins, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, trail behind you. In other words, you think you're getting away with it, but eventually, it'll get you. So you can look at some people and be like, wait a minute, how come they're doing all that and nothing happens to them? Those sins are trailing behind, don't you worry. And sometimes we pay later greater because it happens later. Does that make sense? So anyway, sin, sin, sin busts us up. But in, in, in this particular time, and for many, many hundreds of years, people offered sacrifice. So my question to you is, and don't answer out loud, is have you brought your sacrifices today? Did you, did you offer, uh, anybody offer a lamb this morning to God for their sins? Anybody do one last night? No. No, because obviously we don't do that anymore. We obviously don't have that practice anymore. And, and we know that if we've been in the faith any length of time, this is a prophetic picture of Jesus. That what was done in the Old Testament, there's certain truths there that are concealed, that are unpacked, revealed, explained in the New Testament. That's why you always want to read the New Testament. You look through the lens of the New to understand the Old Testament. So this is all an imperfect plan. In the New Testament, it's the perfect plan of God. So this is just a, this is just a foreshadowing of what God was trying to do. So whenever you read something in the Old Testament, it's, it's pointing to a better way that's coming in the New Kind of getting what's going on there? So, so obviously we don't do that anymore. But I would submit to you that somehow we still feel like we should bring sacrifices when we sin and make a mistake. There's something inside of us that knows when I fail, I fall, I miss the mark, you know, I swing another mulligan or whatever. I, there's something in me that wants to figuratively offer a lamb every day for the things that I do. And I think there's something in us that feels like we need to do something to make recompense. We need to do something to appease the gods, you know, for our mistakes. No, it's God. We know that. I'm just saying that as a phrase. But I think sometimes we don't, re we don't grasp or realize what the lamb of God did for us. The Bible refers to uh, the, 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 the sacrifice of the Lamb of God as the atonement, the one who makes us one with God. And so something happened 2,000 years ago so that even though we might feel that way, it's because things are not wired right inside. We need to get this relationship connection between what the Lamb of God did for us so we don't feel like we have to keep offering sacrifices or doing, really, that's just a precursor to doing works in order to be accepted. Look around and say, I start, I'm starting to see where he's going. I, look at your name and say, I'm starting to see where he's going here. I'm starting to see this. See, see, I grew up in church, and I can remember my church taught grace. But mixed in, at least from my 
primitive, childlike lens, I, I heard and felt a lot of works. I, I, I heard Grace talked about, but I, I felt works were necessary in order to be okay with God. Is everybody with me? And so I can remember in Sunday school being taught that I needed to confess all my sins every day in order to be forgiven. And as a young boy, that freaked me out. I used to think to myself, you know, what if I didn't confess all my sins and I'm not forgiven? Like, am I, I used to think that everybody who's going to be raptured now is going to be left behind. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, they're all going up on the first elevator and I'm going to be down here by myself. Or, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die and I'm going to be separate. Like, I'm going to go to hell. H-E double hockey sticks. I thought that might happen if I didn't confess all my sins. So I lived in, not in a love environment, I lived in a fear environment a lot of times because of this misunderstanding about sacrifices for sins or this misunderstanding about works. I can remember sometimes, I remember my Sunday school teacher, I had this one Sunday school teacher, and I swear she didn't like me. And I did some stuff that would make anybody upset, I'm sure about that. But I can remember her coming to me and she's like, do you, you know, she was really mean, she had a long bony finger. She goes, Derek, do you want to go to heaven? And in my head I was thinking, not if you're going to be there. I, I, I'm okay going to hell if you're going to be in heaven. That's what it's like. <laughs> but for the most part, I was afraid of forgetting my sins that I committed. But yet the Bible's like, Jesus doesn't even forget them. He removes them as far as the east is from the west. He, there's a whole, there's a sea of forgetfulness. But I was having, I was having this theology brought to me that I had to remember these sins and as a result, I got to the place where, this is going to be really funny to you, but when I was a young man, I actually kept a record in a journal of my sins because I was so afraid. So I would write them down. And then this other fear came. What if somebody found my journal? I used to think, my parents are going to find this. And they're going to they're get under my bed. Or I had this little place like tucked up into the ceiling, and I hide this journal. And so I started writing my sins in code. I'm not kidding. So, 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 like, let's just say I'm in middle school. Just, just imagine the context. Pre, you know, kind of a young teen boy. Everybody with me? And so I'd be writing like things in my journal. The trees were really beautiful today. So pretty, like really pretty. You know what I mean? It was hot at school today. You know what I mean? Like so, I would. And I was, I was trying to get these things out on paper in case anybody read those things later on. But then I go back to church, and then we go to a Wednesday night service, and it'd be like this kind of prayer meeting vibe. And I can remember we'd have these like prayer circles. You, you guys know, remember the prayer circles, right? Everybody's holding hands. You know, you've heard this before. And 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 and, and when you get when you get squeezed, you ever holding hands, squeeze, and then the next person would have to pray, and then they pray their prayer, squeeze, next person pray, they say their prayer, and then I would squeeze and have that thing go on down the line because I didn't want to pray. But I can remember this one guy, he would pray, and he would, he would basically get up, and, and it was just this awesome thing that happened. He's like, God, Lord, forgive us of all the sins we can't remember. And I thought, that's it. It's like the catch-all of all catch-alls. I just pray, forgive me of all the sins I can't remember. After that, I stopped keeping record of all my sins. I stopped journaling. I was like, that's it. Tear this baby up. This is perfect. I had a new theology. You know, it's working for me now. But anyway, you, you might be in that situation. Do you believe, I think sometimes I see this in people's lives spiritually, that you need to confess all your sins every day in order to get to heaven? In other words, is the condition of your relationship with God, the condition of your relationship with heaven, dependent on your memory? 
If that's the case, I can't remember the sins I did yesterday. Certainly not a couple of years ago. Some of you are like, wait a minute, where's he going with this? I, I hope that's not the case. I remember, again, all these things that, that, that were taught to me and, and, and kind of put in me, and I realized, you know, that's, that's not the case. I remember one guy praying, real high-level Christian, and he'd pray, oh, God, help me, uh, you know, help us to not uh, continue to sin. The sins of, of omission and commission, please forgive us. In fact, he used to say, like, omission, co like real long O's, you know what I mean? I didn't know what that was, but basically what it meant was, Lord, forgive us of the things that we shouldn't do, and forgive us of the things that we intended to do. <laughs> That's really what that means. And, and so there was always these things we get out there because we're trying to appease the penalty of our sin. There's something else that knows there's a penalty as a consequence, but we think we have to pay for it. Okay, we think we have to do something. We think that if we pray these things, that we can, we can do these things, it'll cover all the bases. Is everybody tracking with me out there? Listen, there's nothing you can do or I can do to cover all the bases. Jesus covered all the bases so you didn't have to. Amen? That's your big idea. I want you to write that down. Jesus covered all the bases so you don't have to. And if you believe in him and that he did that for you 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross... He can cover your sin, too. And he can blot out, the Bible says, all of your transgressions. Everybody say all. all. All of your transgressions, okay? So here's what the lamb did for you and me. Three things. Number one, the lamb provided. Everybody say provided. This is important because I believe that a lot of times we think we have to provide for our sin. You don't. That's what the lamb of God is for. You can't provide for your sin. God provided his son for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten or one and only son. That was the provision. That was Jesus provided. Excuse me. God the Father provided Jesus. And there's an Old Testament scripture that is a foreshadowing of what Jesus did for us 2,000 years later. It's so powerful and sometimes we don't see this. Again, there's so much in the Old Testament that's contained that then makes sense through the lens of the new. But there's this famous conversation in Genesis chapter 22. And it's between Abraham and his son Isaac. Now most people believe Isaac was a young boy. Actually, historians believe that Isaac could have been about 25 years old. So this is, this is a very different take between Genesis 21 and 22. could have been 10, 15 years, 20 years, some people believe. But Abraham gets a word from God, and, and, and basically God tells him to sacrifice his one and only son. Very similar to what we see when Jesus gave his, I mean, God the Father gave his one and only son. Is everybody with me? So, so in verse uh, 7 and following, it says, Isaac spoke to Abraham. And they're on their way up to the top of the mountain, and, and Abraham's supposed to sacrifice his son. And Abraham's not sure exactly what's going to happen, but he's following in obedience. As the father of our faith, Abraham uh, is having this conversation. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, son. He said, look, I can see the fire. I can see the wood. But check this out. But where is the what? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for our burnt offering? And Abraham said these three powerful words. He said, my son, God will, what? He will provide. Some of you need to hear this. I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't know what you're going through when you're listening online. Whatever you're going through spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, whatever is going on in your life, you need to declare these three words. My God will provide. God will provide. Everybody say that with me. God will provide. No matter what's happening, God will provide. 
I don't know. He, listen, Abraham said this. He was being tested in the toughest time. This might have been the toughest test of his whole life. I would venture to say I can't think of a tougher test. Sacrificing my son in obedience to God. Are you kidding me? Like, that's the test of all tests. And in the middle of that, he confessed God's faithfulness. God will provide. How many of you, when you're in the middle of a test, confess that God will provide? Or do you back down? Or you, or you step back? Or you walk away? It's so important that in the middle of your test, you declare what you believe uh, to be true about God. You declare his nature. You declare his goodness. You declare his faithfulness. When you do that, God acts in response to our faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. So God will provide. Then he goes on to say, God will provide for himself. I don't do it. He does it, what? The lamb, the lamb. And amazingly, God, uh, God will provide for us if we trust in him. But this is an interesting fact. It's going to seem like a total twist and a turn of events here. But in this particular situation, at that moment, God didn't provide the lamb on that day. He didn't even provide a lamb. He provided a ram. He provided a mature, fully grown ram in the thicket for a sacrifice. So, so pastor, when, when did God provide the lamb? In, in, in this particular text, Abraham says God will provide the lamb. He provided the lamb 2,000 years later through his son, Jesus Christ. I hope you realize something, that, that, that Abraham trusted God no matter what. No matter what. He will provide. In fact, I hope you realize that when Abraham, who is the father of our faith, and those of us who, who, are, who called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible actually refers to Abraham as Christ's followers as the father of our faith. So when Abraham, listen to this, when he was going up that mountain with a knife in his hand to sacrifice his son in obedience to God and trust in God, 2,000 years later, listen to this, on the same mountain, God the Father was walking with Jesus up the Mount of Golgotha with a spear in his hand to kill his son. Abraham did not follow through. He didn't have to to kill his son. But Jesus did. He was killed by his father. He was, if you, if you want to look at it that way. And that was 2,000 years later. Why did he follow through and sacrifice that one perfect lamb? To provide for you and me. For you and me, for all of our sins to be paid for, he actually followed through on that for you and me. You and I cannot provide for ourselves our own salvation. Our default, though, is to, tr is to try to provide for ourselves. Our default is to try to pay for our sins. Our default is to try to, to try to make a way for us to be okay with God. And so you can see this as early as, as the Garden of Eden. All the way back in the beginning, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, as soon as they sinned, they immediately did what? They covered themselves. They hid themselves from God and also each other. In fact, they canceled out the one thing that could help them in relationship with God, and that is intimacy with God and with each other. Where intimacy lives, sin dies. Where sin lives, intimacy dies. And so they covered themselves. They hid themselves. And what's so crazy is they hid themselves, you know, with what they hid themselves with? A plant. A plant. Now, you might think that's crazy and that's ridiculous to try to hide yourself from God or from other people with a plant. But I think there's a tendency inside of us when we're, messed, when we're messed up, when we're not in the right place. We don't run to God. When we're messed up and we're not in the right place, we don't run to people who can help us. 
We run from. It's because we don't see things right in our relationship with God. We think we have to do something, earn something, pay for something, offer something, some kind of sacrifice in order to be okay with God. And that's why we don't run to God, and that's why we don't run to people. And so I think for us, sometimes when we're in that state, people approach us, and, and it's like this. It's like people come to us and say, hey, Derek, how you doing? And immediately you just cover yourself. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And then somebody else comes from behind, and they're like, hey, 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 Derek, how you doing? You're like, oh, oh, gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm good, yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And we start feeling really weird, you know, we start feeling kind of that we want to cover ourselves up because we don't want them to know what's the truth about us. And we're amongst all these holy people, and apparently nobody else sins except us, and that's what everything's telling us, everybody's convinced. Then we come to church. We start getting an environment of praise and worship, and we start feeling something happening. And you know what it is? It's the presence of God, and all of a sudden, God calls from heaven. He's like, hey, hey, Derek, how you doing? How you doing? I'm like, oh, oh, I'm good, I'm good. Oh, gosh, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. And we, we feel like we need to cover. You guys need to get a good picture of this right now. This, <laughs> just, just remember this. I want to leave a mark. I want to leave a mark. <laughs> we try to cover ourselves with plants. Isn't that ridiculous? That's what God sees when we try to do things to try to pay for our sins, to try to cover our sins, to try to run because of our sins. He's like, you're trying to do that with plants? You're trying to do that with your sacrifices? Your imperfect lambs? You can't do that. Are you walking around covering yourself, living in shame for your life? You don't have to hide anymore because of the lamb that was slain for you and me. The lamb that was provided for you. You don't have to hide anymore. Amen? Number two, you guys getting something out of this? Number two, the lamb was pure. Here's an Old Testament, a New Testament scripture. The lamb was pure. So it was provided, it was pure. Your lamb, Exodus 12, 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. Now that word without blemish in the Hebrew means, just trust me on this, 100% pure. That's what it means. Your lamb has to be 100% pure. That basically means no blemish, no defects, no faults, spotless, perfect. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep and from the goats. Second, excuse me, the second translation, the second uh, verse I want to look at in the New Testament, 1 Peter 1.19. So that's an Old Testament example. Here's a New Testament example. But with the precious blood of Christ... As of a lamb without what? Blemish. Now, that's, a, that's the, the Greek word translated is the same as the Hebrew word translated in the Old Testament. It means 100% pure. 100% pure. So the, the lamb that's without blemish, that's 100% pure and without spot. Why is it so important that that be stated? Because you need to know that the standard for being accepted is 100% pure to be accepted by God. Wow. Why do we need to know that? Because, because we need to come to the realization that I can never do anything to be 100% pure by myself. If that's the standard, then that will force me to see what I need to see is that I need someone who meets the standard because I can't. The second thing we come to realize is that you can't measure up as a result. So like if you see that the standard is 100%, you realize you can't measure up by doing better than before. By doing good, more good than bad, by getting on a test out of 100, what, 65 plus? Like, what's the grade? How good is good enough? The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. 
The only one that's righteous is Jesus. The spotless, pure, without blemish, without defect, perfect lamb of God. Is everybody with me? And sometimes I think as a church, we don't get that. That's why there's a, there's a verse in Ephesians 5.27 that sometimes is misinterpreted. But it basically says this. It says, and preachers have preached this wrong. It says that, that he, speaking of Jesus, might present her, speaking of the church, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. See, I think a lot of times we think Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle uh, because of what we did. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle because of what he did, not because of what we did. We miss that. And so, so sometimes preachers are like, you need to straighten up, and you need to get holy, and you need to fly right and fly straight, and you need to do this, and you need to do that. And I'm not saying living a righteous life is important. Please don't misinterpret that. But living a righteous life will never make you righteous. The only person that will make you righteous is Jesus. His imputed righteousness to us. When we understand that he made us righteous, we can live righteous. So we, we accept right standing with God. As a result, we start having right behavior. But we're trying to get right behavior to be okay because when he comes back, he's looking for us to be perfect by what we do. No, it's by what he did. That's what I hope we see. And sometimes we don't get this and the other thing we don't get sometimes we don't realize that jesus paid that debt he didn't just like wash it away see sometimes some, sometimes we need a motivator why would i want to follow god because he paid something that i owed it was a debt i owed so in other words that internal default that wants to pay for something when you realize the debt is so big and there's nothing that i could do to pay it and then somebody came in and paid it Wow, it's a game changer for the motivation of your faith. Is everybody tracking with me right now? Are you, all, are you all connected? In Jesus' name, I hope you're connected with what I'm saying. It's like this. Like, I have a, I have a good friend. He's the former chief of police, all right? His name's Scott Romer. He's, he's, he's probably going to be here today. And it would be like, this is, this, this is a hypothetical. Okay, I'm going to present a hypothetical. Let's just say I got a speeding ticket. Again, I know you guys could never imagine that happening. <laughs> All right. Let's just say I got a speeding ticket. And because Scott is my friend, I go to Scotty and I say, Scott, hey, um, can you help a brother out? Um, I'm hoping that you can like, you know, you can kind of take care of this, this ticket I have. You know, would you be able to take care of it for me? And so he's like, yeah, I'll take, I'll, 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 yeah, yeah, I'll take care of that for you. I, I was like, could you, could you just, you know, can you kind of just dismiss that thing? Can you just make that go away? You know what I mean? People do this all the time. Okay? They leverage their relationships for their, for their mistakes. <laughs> and so he, says, so he says, yeah, I'll take care of that for you. So later on, I go back and I go, hey, Scott, I just want to thank you for dismissing that ticket. And he goes, oh, I didn't dismiss that ticket. I said, man, what are you talking about? I can't, I'm going to get in trouble. You, that, it's been like three weeks. What are you talking about? I didn't, he goes, I didn't say I'd dismiss it, Derek. I said I'd take care of it. He, I said, what do you mean? He goes, I paid it. I said, Scott, I didn't ask you to pay it. I asked you to dismiss it. He goes, Derek, there's a penalty for speeding, and there's a cost to that. I paid that so that you didn't have to. See, I think you and I think that God, who's the judge of all things, and, and, and you know, he's the creator, and he's kind of the coach of the universe, that you can just go to him with your sin, and you can just say, hey, can you just make that all go away? Can you just dismiss that? Can you just take care of that? No, he didn't dismiss it. He didn't just make it go away. He paid for it with the blood of his son. 
And when you realize that he paid that debt, it should affect the way you live your life the rest of your life, all the days of your life. Can I have an amen? amen. Number three, the lamb was perfect. The lamb was perfect. Now, if you think you were pure, I got you on this one. Because I'm pretty sure none of you think you're perfect. If you think you're perfect, we want to lay hands on you. And I don't mean pray. <laughs> we want to shake some things out of you, if you know what I'm talking about, okay? Because, because no one's perfect, right? We say things like that. Well, nobody, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect. But, and then we contrast ourselves to somebody else who we think is less than us, right? That's usually how we use it. We're saying, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than so-and-so. That in itself is a works theology, that should not be in our vocabulary as Christ followers. But look at Leviticus 22:21. It says this in this verse. It says, And whoever offers a sacrifice of peace, offering to the Lord, to fulfill his vow or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep. Now watch this. Watch this, everybody. Paying attention. It must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect. Now that's, that's the same word as we've seen in the other verses. In other words, 100% Pure. Everybody say 100%. So, so the sacrifice has to be perfect. Has to be perfect. They're just getting ready for communion, so pay attention to me. So listen. So listen. The requirement to be accepted by God, this is important, is perfection. It's perfection. It's perfection. 100% perfection. The good news is there was a lamb, a perfect lamb that was provided for you. And you can't do it, you can't, you, you can't be that lamb. You can't be that sacrifice. See, see when we celebrate this, this, this coming weekend would be when we call it Easter. That's, a, that's kind of a Gentile description of where this originated. Where it all originated was Passover. Passover is really what Easter is. And so what we celebrate is the Old Testament story of the angel of death passing over the homes of the Israelites. Everybody remember this? A little bit? Okay, if you didn't, if you watch the Ten Commandments, you, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. But Passover is when a lamb was sacrificed, which, is, which we know, again, is Jesus, scripturally, historically, literally, and then later the lamb was resurrected. So we didn't just see the lamb sacrificed, we saw the lamb resurrected. So the very first Passover, I don't think... Sometimes we realize how important that is to our lives. I don't think sometimes we, we understand they, how they looked at it. This is how they understood they got forgiveness, was through the sacrifices of a lamb. This is how they thought they were saved. Is everybody with me? In the Old Testament, this is how the Hebrews believed they were saved, is through the sacrifices of a lamb. And so they would come at Passover with their lamb to the holy city, Jerusalem. And they would get their the best lamb they could possibly get, and they would go to Jerusalem to sacrifice. Now, I believe, I'm, trying to, I'm going to modernize this so, so you guys can kind of catch up, all right, and try to plug into this. I want you to imagine this, but Moses calls a meeting, and he calls all the men to a meeting. So all the men and husbands come to a meeting, and Moses lays out some instructions for how this process of right standing is going to take place. And, he, and, and then all the husbands hear it, and then they go back home to see their wives. Now, some of you probably think this was a really smooth deal, but if we just put this in real life, I don't think it was that easy. I don't think it went that easy. I think the husband came home, and the wife met the husband at the door with like a little toot, like, what did Moses say this time? What did, what did he say this time? And so the husband's like, well, honey, we got, we got to sacrifice another lamb. 
that was it's like 16 this month. What is Moses' problem? Like, does he have like this total like fetish with like killing things? I, I'm just, I'm not going to be a part of it. There's just blood everywhere all the time. I'm not going to be a part of this. You can just go ahead and kill the lamb if you want to. 16 this month, I've had it. Is there anything else that you want to say before I walk away? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, one more thing, honey. He told us we have to take the blood of the lamb and we have to put it on our door. My door? We ain't putting blood on my door. We, honey, we just painted that door last week. And I can tell you what, red does not go with the color of our house. You're going to put that on my door. See, I think, I think what we don't realize is there's this, what they had to do in this situation is the same thing we have to do. They had to believe. They had to believe. There's this notion that in the New Testament, we're saved by grace through faith, and the Old Testament, we're saved by works. No, they had to be saved by faith too. They had to trust that the blood on the door saved them. They had to trust in the blood of the lamb in order to be saved in the Old Testament. And the same thing you and I have to do in order to be saved is to trust in the sacrifice of that lamb. There was nobody that was coming to Jerusalem with their lamb thinking, um, I wonder when the rabbi sees me if he's going to say, hey, I haven't seen you in church a lot. You know what I mean? You haven't been at temple that much. Like, what's going on with you? Like, that's not what, that's not what the husband was thinking, the father was thinking. The husband and the father, they weren't thinking, I wonder if the rabbi's going to ask me, you know, if I've been memorizing the Torah, you know, on a regular basis, if I've been spending more time in the Torah, if I've been, if I've been reading the, the sacred scroll. If I've been... Now, that's not what the father, the husband was thinking with this lamb. The husband or father was just, they weren't thinking about what they could do. The only thing they were thinking about was, will my lamb be accepted? Will my lamb be accepted? They weren't focusing on the man, they were focusing on the lamb. Would it be accepted? That's how anyone is saved. It's a recognition that's nothing I could do. It's all about the lamb. Are you guys tracking with me? Years ago, I was praying for somebody, and and I was I was I'll be honest with you, I was trying to win him to Jesus, and I uh, I didn't know how to do it, and I was just like I kept talking to him, and he he was a he was a big burly guy, and and he's and I'm like, listen, man, this is da da da, da. and he's like. He goes, PD, no, man, I'm just, and he's crying. <laughs> he's just this big guy. And he goes, I, I've just done too many things wrong. I've sinned so many times. I've made so many mistakes. And I, and I, and I was like, dude, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not about, it's not about that. He goes, nah, you, you, he goes I, can't, I can't be saved because of that. And, and while I'm trying to convince him, I felt like the Holy Spirit said this to me. I felt like he said, tell him he's right. He can't be saved. I go, I, and so he's like, I just can't, I just, just, it's not, it's, it's, I can't, I can't, I can't be saved, I've done too many things wrong. I said, you know what, you're right, you can't be saved. And he goes, huh? <laughs> he goes, what about, he goes, Pastor Derek, what about what Jesus died on the cross for our sins and all that stuff you talk about? And what about all those people he died for? Is that, is that not okay for me? Is that not enough for me? So I said, well, is it enough for you? Is, is, is the sacrifice that Jesus made? for your sins enough for you? You know, he's kind of looking down and he looks up and he's like, yeah, yes, it is enough. It is enough. And so I said, man, you can be saved. You can be saved. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray for you right where you are. You might be here and you're in that situation right now. You're in that situation right now. 
It might have not been explained like this to you before. You might not have seen it like this before. Maybe you, you, don't, you don't realize there's been a lamb, spotless, without blemish, perfect, without defect, lamb that came from heaven to earth to make a way for you to be in right standing with God now and forever. But you have to not be examined yourself. You have to know that the lamb was examined. That lamb was examined by the authorities of man. Herod examined that lamb and said, I find no fault in him. Pilate examined that lamb and said, I find no fault in him. God the Father looked down from heaven and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Later he says, listen to him. Are you listening to Jesus Christ right now? And you respond to that perfect sacrifice and say yes to God. Say yes to God. If you've never done that before, you've never invited Jesus into your life, it's accepting that there was a sacrifice made for you. You can't pay for your sins. He can pay for them, but you have to accept them by grace through faith. Old Testament or new, it's the same for you. It's the same for me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, yes, pastor, I want to know Jesus. I don't want to miss that today. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Good night. Good night. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. I see those hands. That's awesome. Anybody else? I'm missing. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. You can put your hands down. That's great. Let's just say this, church. Would you pray? And those that just raised your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? Those of you are listening online, this is so important. This is your moment. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you were the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and that includes me. You provided the lamb. You were the pure and perfect lamb. And I couldn't be that, and you were that for me. And I put my trust in you. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Change my relationship with you from this day forward. Every person in this room, God, I, I'm just praying for you now. Every person in this room, I pray that something alter in their relationship with God. As we begin to take communion in these next few minutes, I pray there be an experience with the person of Jesus Christ. That we realize that as we take these elements, something happens. Something dynamic takes place. God himself, this is more than a memorial. This is a dynamic experience where Jesus enters the room as a part of this experience and he makes us aware once again by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are in right standing with God, not because of what we've done, but because of what he did in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Can we do that for those decisions? Listen, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, as we typically do, and if you're new to, new to Connect, we have an open table. That means you can come and participate. All that we ask, though, is that you do it in faith, that you examine yourself in, in faith, not based on your works, but his work, and that you come and you receive the elements, you go back to your seat with both elements. That means, that means the bread and, and the wine. Now, we don't have real wine. We use grape juice. So if you guys are praying for wine, and you know, you can pray for a miracle. Maybe that will happen on your way back. But you take both those elements back. And then during the worship experience, we have a song that really talks about the Lamb of God. I'm going to pray that God anoint this song and, and really you experience what God has done for me and what God wants to do for you as well. And I'm going to ask that there be a, just a supernatural experience between you and God as you partake of the Lord's Supper. The Bible says that there was blood that was shed for you. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. There's no removal of sins. The Bible says his body was broken so that you can be healed. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he basically took these elements and he shared them with his friends. And he literally told them, this is what's going to happen. And then it did happen. 
And now we look back at what did happen and we remember and we rejoice at the same time. We look back and say, God, don't let, ever let me forget. And we look forward that one day we'll all sit at a table with Jesus again at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. So God, bless, bless this time. Bless this experience, Lord. Anoint it. Every single person as they come to receive, Lord, I pray they'd be blessed in a supernatural way in Jesus' name. You guys can follow the ushers. How about everybody stand up for this song and uh, follow the ushers as they lead you and guide you. God bless you.